change your mind, and you'll change everything. Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. Hello, my friends. Several years ago, I was playing music professionally and composing and writing jingles and doing a whole bunch of other stuff. And there was a local music store that I went to for everything. That's the place I went to rent equipment, buy equipment, borrow equipment, sell equipment. And I did a lot of this by kind of being a wheeler dealer. I liked to get good deals on things. Then I would use the equipment for a while. Then I would maybe clean it up and upgrade it or do some three-way trade thing and end up with a different piece of equipment, which I would then use to get another piece of equipment and trade that for something else. And you get the picture. So I was doing this all the time. I was trading things, upgrading things, bunching things together. And then I'd go back to the music store and I'd say, how about I give you these three things on consignment and you give me this synthesizer or whatever. And I, I thought it was fun that, and it was necessary because I didn't have enough money to, you know, this was the beginning of my career as a starving musician. I eventually got out of the starving phase. So that was good. But there was a lot of wheeling, dealing in between. And so one day I went to the music store. It was around tax time. And the manager said, hey, have you got a second? I said, yeah. He said, we can't figure out where we are with your account and all this stuff you've been doing. Because you're always doing these, you know, you got this five-way deal going on. So at some point when you get a few minutes and if you have time now, could you just tell us what we owe you or what you owe us and where we are with all of that. And I said, oh, sure. And I explained where we were and they were happy and I was happy. And the manager said, boy, it's a good thing we can trust you, which was a great compliment and the truth. They could trust me. I loved dealing with that kind of complexity as recreation. But when it comes to making really big decisions, really important decisions, playing around with complexity like that is actually not very helpful. And we live in a world that's becoming more and more complex by the moment. It's technically more complex. The advance of the availability of knowledge and everything else makes our options for entertainment and purchases and social relationships grow exponentially. But complexity is usually the enemy of progress. Complexity in relationships is harmful. Complexity in trying to figure out what to do next is really difficult. Complexity is rewarded by companies who want their money and they advertise the complexity of the object they're trying to sell, leading you to the false impression that somehow that makes it better. In fact, the opposite is true. Simplicity is really hard and it takes courage and a bit of genius to move toward it. But I want to talk to you today about making decisions and how we can do so in a complex world. Though decision-making about everything, schools, clothing, housing, employment, even what to eat, has become complexified, we'll call it, by too many options, a multitude of options. There's a book called The Attention Economy by Thomas Davenport and John Beck, and in it they say, the attention economy has laws of supply and demand. As the amount of information increases, the demand for attention increases. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. We can see that all around us. Watch a group of teenagers with cell phones. 
as the amount of information increases, the demand for attention increases, and they often satisfy that demand by ignoring it. The attention they pay is on something that cannot return any of the effort that they put in. Our brains are hit with about 2 million or more. Some estimates are 11 million. We'll stick with the two just to make it fair. Our brains are hit with 2 million bits of information per second. And we can only process 126. I didn't say 126,000 out of 2 million. I said 126. 2 million bits of information a second. We process 126 of them. So how in the world are we supposed to do this? Well, we have some things built in to our minds that help us do it. And there are three of them. They are delete, distort, and generalize. We delete when we just remove some of the information. It's a survival mechanism. We have to. We can't possibly take care of all two million bits of information coming in, so we delete a whole bunch of it. We have to get down to 126 that we can actually process. Unfortunately, one form of deletion is to zone out. We see this with social media. When we zone out, we're being carried on this journey. We're rewarded for our attention, but not for any meaning or learning that comes from it. If, as I did, you worked in a field where you're measuring all this kind of thing, you would quickly understand that most vendors, most purveyors of social media, are counting the number of times something gets launched or looked at, not the amount of learning, the amount of good, or the amount of um, expansion in capability that comes from it. That has nothing to do with it. Your attention matters. Your quality of life does not. So, deletion is one way that we handle too much information. We can do that deliberately, or we can do it accidentally. I recommend that you choose what you delete, and I'll show you how to do that in just a minute. The second thing is to distort things. So one of the ways we process too much information is to misrepresent reality. We start making distorted generalizations, and we'll talk about generalizing generally in just a moment. But we distort reality by making these, these things mean what they may not mean. Or we say, well, this has to work out. That's a distortion of reality. I had a friend once who was building a home and ran into some problems. And in a conversation with him, I said, what are you going to do if this doesn't work? How are you going to finance this? He said, it just has to work. Well, that's a distortion of reality. It didn't work. But saying it just has to work doesn't make that somehow materialize. So we have to be careful about distortion. The third thing is to generalize. Now, generalizing, in general, isn't bad. We can say uh, it's over in this area. Or we can say, I like dairy products. Or we can say, hamburgers are great. Those are generalizations. Nothing wrong with those. Sometimes we can generalize when we're making decisions in a way that's harmful or prevents us from spotting some of the things that we need to spot. For example, one might say, well, I'm not living in that town because that town's just, it's just a disaster. Eh, possibly not. There might be a part of town that's not bad at all. We might say something like, well, there's no way I'm doing that. I'm not sending my kids to schools anywhere around there. Generalization. May be helpful, maybe not. We might say, I don't care what job it is, 
as long as, and then throw something in that's a job requirement that may or may not really make that much difference. Be careful how you generalize. We, we can put things in such large containers that they actually lose their meaning and we're unable to decide because we don't know what the priorities really are. Somewhere in that vast generalization we've created is sitting a priority caught in the bucket with everything else and we don't remember or, or recognize what that priority really is. So when you generalize, generalize specifically. How's that? Okay. Now, I know you're wondering what you're supposed to do with, with all of this stuff I just said because I've given you a whole bunch of information in a very short time. I did it deliberately. I went through this really fast because I want to talk to you now about a, a thing called cognitive fluency. Cognitive fluency, in layman's terms, is simply the process of making something easier to think about. Not necessarily easier to understand in the end, but easier to think about, easier to process while we're thinking. You could do something as simple as change the font on a document, and it makes it easier to think about. Stories and parables make things easier to think about. Generalizing in a way that's careful and helpful makes things easier to think about. Cognitive fluency is fantastic because it has three outcomes. When we make things easier to mentally process, we are, number one, increasing the listener's belief in the truth of what we're saying. That means your listener will believe that you are telling the truth. Hopefully you are. That listener may be you. So if you need to look in a mirror for some of this, do it. So number one, you're telling the truth. When we make things easier to think about, our listeners will believe that we're telling the truth. Number two, it makes the listener believe that you are intelligent or an expert in that thing that you're speaking about. So number one, they believe you're telling the truth. Number two, they believe you have expertise or really know what you're talking about. And number three, it gives the listener confidence in their ability to do what you're recommending. This is a big deal. It's truth, intelligence, or expertise, and they can do what you're telling them to do. That's the biggest of big deals. You want to make a big difference in the workplace? Make things easier to think about. You want to make a big difference with your family and with your kids? Make things easier to think about. You want to make a big difference on a podcast? Make things easier to think about. Make your slides simpler. Spread the lines further apart. Tell stories with your kids that help them see the difference between two options. Make things easier to talk about by reducing the vocabulary needed to understand it in a practical way. You're not dumbing it down. What you're doing is giving the listener a gift, the gift of belief in the truth of the statement, belief in your intelligence or expertise, and confidence in their ability to do the thing you're recommending. Those are gifts. You're not taking something away by making it easier to think about. Yeah, but what if, what if they don't realize, I mean, I really am an expert in this. And so, you know, people, I want people to understand that. And by using proper business language and by using these things, they believe I'm an expert. 
No, they don't. Because the opposite effect is in play when we make things more complex. They're less likely to believe it's truth. They're less likely to believe that you are intelligent or an expert in that thing. They believe you're showing off. And number three, their confidence and their ability to mirror that behavior or to do what you're recommending goes down the drain. Make things easier to think about. Now, I started this podcast by talking about decisions, about schools, clothing, housing, employment, entertainment, food, and everything else. And we talked about too much information. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. So how can we make good decisions? Practice cognitive fluency. Make the decisions themselves easier to think about. Our minds are given 2 million bits of information a second. We can only process 126 of them. We have three options. We can delete, we can distort, and we can generalize. In decision-making, it can be most helpful to delete any information that's not immediately relevant. There are four things you can do. Number one, prioritize. Be very careful with this. As you prioritize, you are prone to be caught up in distortion or generalization. When you prioritize, ask yourself repeatedly, is this really a priority or just something that I wish for? It might be something that you always thought was a priority, and then when you experience it, you find out it's kind of not. So, prioritize is number one. Number two, chunk it up. Put it in chunks, big or small. Let me give you an example. I went to a shoe store one time, and and I had broken both ankles multiple times and broken one of my arches, and I had really sore feet. So I went to the shoe store to try and find something that would work, and as you might imagine, I pulled about every shoe they had off the shelf eventually. The salesperson was very nice and very patient, and they were going to get paid for being there either way. But man, I had a lot of shoes out there, and my wife was sitting off to the side, rolling her eyes only when she was awake. The rest of the time, she was nodding off and really upset about how long it was taking. But it took a while to find the right pair of shoes, and I had so many options out there, I would look at them all again and think, I don't know how to choose. One day I came across somebody who was really good at this, a shoe salesman who was a pro, and said, all right, don't worry about it. Let's get some shoes off the shelf that you think are really appealing to you, and we'll go through them. Okay, so we got some shoes out. He said, try this one on. So I did. Now this one. So I did. He said, between these two, which pair would you choose? That one. Great. So we'll put this off to the side. By chunking it together into groups of two, I was able to eventually narrow it down to the pair of shoes that was the best combination of features for me. So number one was prioritize. Number two was chunk things together. So we're not trying to make a complex decision with a whole bunch of stuff. That's not cognitively fluent. It won't be true. It won't be expert. And we won't be able to do it. Number three, spend exactly zero time on things you can't change. It would astonish you, if you're honest with yourself, how many times you're trying to make a decision 
and you spend a whole bunch of time obsessing over, yeah, but I wish it wasn't like this. I really don't want it to be like this. Yeah, but I don't, but, but if we do that, it means we have to leave this neighborhood. Okay. If you're going somewhere for another job or another house or another, or another job or another house, and it means you have to leave the neighborhood and you can't change that, spend zero time obsessing over it. Discard the things you can't change. They are clutter and they're getting in the way of a good decision. Number four, make a decision and then make it good. Now, we talked about this, I don't know, months ago. I think in one of the podcasts I mentioned, I believe it was Larry Ellison, who was the CEO of Oracle, who was talking about decisions and he said it matters less that you make the right decision and more that once you've made a decision, you make it right. Those of us who are conscientious, and especially those who are a bit ADHD or obsessive or tend to have to have everything done perfectly, I'm talking to you, all you perfectionists, I'm talking to you, can obsess over little details that we can change and then obsess over a decision has to be right, because if it's not right, what if it's wrong? What if it's wrong? You'll get through it, make a decision, and make it right after the fact. Do the best you can, and then make it right. But what if it's a really big one, like who to marry? Great. Pray about it, think about it, discuss it, get some help from people who have expertise in picking good partners, talk with a trusted friend or relative, talk openly with your potential spouse, and then make a decision. Then make it right. Well, what if it's a big deal like a career change? Pretty good chance this won't be the last career change of your entire life. So make the decision and then make it right. But what if it means we have to move? It's, it's really hard to move to a different home. It's really hard. It's a whole lot of work. Staying in the home you're in might be a whole lot of work. Staying in a bad situation is a whole lot of work. And once the work is done and you've moved to another home, you've moved to another home. Make the decision and make it right. Well, what if it's the wrong home? Then move to another one. Just make the decision and make it right. So, as much as you can, make things easier to think about do this as a gift for others and a gift for yourself. Just make it easier to think about. Easier to mentally process. Do whatever it takes. Stories. Easier vocabulary. Different lines on the page. Chunking things up. But get to the point where you can prioritize what really matters. Chunk things together so you're not trying to decide between 50 different things at once. Spend zero time on what you cannot change. And then make a decision and make good on it. Your life can be good. Your life is yours to decide. So decide. Things will work out. They always work out. I have confidence in you. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>